Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm already smiling here because when you hear the name of our guest, you are just, first of all, the reason that she's here is going to make all of us moms smile. I don't want you, Peg, to feel like you have to fix all of my problems, but today <laughs> you need to fix all of my problems. No pressure. Our guest today is Peg Sadie. Doesn't that make you smile? And we have been smiling since she came into our Zoom room to do this episode today. Peg is going to talk with us about keeping moms out of overwhelm and thriving with all kinds of fun tools, tricks. I swear I won't dominate this with all of my issues with my kids, but I will say they're all back in school. We are recording this in September and we love September around here. Peg, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited for our convo today. So let's talk about this statement. This is what I love in, in uh, Peg's info that, that she sent over to us. Helping moms stop the overwhelm, create more joy, and be more present in their lives. Tell us, tell us, wait, so first of all, kids, no kids, where are you at in the journey? I've got two boys. I've got an almost 16-year-old and uh, one that's about to turn seven next week. So a big gap in oh. there. Oh boy, are you getting boys at those ages? Double barreled. Good time. <laughs> I am barreled with the shotgun. Oh my god. I know. I I laughed that I extended my empty nest by a decade. You know, I waited just long enough that I forgot how hard it was, you know, when I had my second one. But yeah, that's why I waited because I was so overwhelmed first time around. But um my boys are beautiful. I'm just glad I don't have anyone in diapers anymore. So yeah. That that gives overwhelm a whole capital O when they're all in diapers. Yeah, yeah. I so, don't know how moms do it with multiples and diapers. That's just so. I'm, I'm happy that we're diving right in that people understand from the get go your kids' ages because you really do get this. And and mm-hmm. um, I know that we'll get into some of this stuff, but but one of the things that I know is on the top of mine and Mary Fran's mind and so many others is is the teenage bracket and parenting teens at this point in the world with all of the things going on what are what are you what are you hearing from moms in that teenage bracket and um what are some issues that you're helping them deal with i think um you know i don't have girls so i can't speak to girls necessarily specifically but um with boys you know they don't especially my teenager he's like not an open book he's definitely tight-lipped and he doesn't share with me what's going on. And I think we worry and we wonder, you know, he doesn't, he's not very smiley, laughy with me, you know, but I know he's like that with his friends. And um, I think the key with teenagers is I feel like sometimes we feel like we're not connected with them, but this is a natural part Mm -hmm. 
of their journey, they tend to, you know, pull away a little bit. Like he's always in his room unless he's hungry <laughs> or he wants money. Like that's basically the two, the two times Origin that I've seen for one or the other. <laughs> And I talk to my other mom friends and other moms with teenagers and they say the same thing. I'm like, you know, okay, it's not just me. I'm not alone. And I think that is really in, even for parents with small kids, the, the main component is to talk to other moms and be honest. Cause when we try to wear that veil of my kids are perfect and my life is perfect and we're so close and I know everything that they're into and this and that we can isolate ourselves. And um, it's so helpful to know that we're not alone in that journey and that other moms are experiencing the same thing. But, and I also realized that, that, you know, you, we have that one day when they come home from school or they're in the car and then all of a sudden they're just like talking, 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 <laughs> giving us like once a month, you know, like for sometimes like he'll, he'll do this rant and he'll be like, I, I literally will drop everything. <laughs> I will stop cooking. I will, you know, put my phone in. I'm like, tell me all about it. And we'll just like, sometimes it'll be a couple hours, but it's just taking embracing what we can get from them in that moment oh. and um understanding that this is a normal part of you know their phase teenagehood if you should i remember when i was in private practice parents would come bring their teenager to me and be like fix my kid why oh. is my kid sleeping till two in the afternoon why aren't they listening to me why won't they pick up their clothes i'm like <laughs> first of all the, biologically they become nocturnal I don't know if you guys know this when they hit their teenage years especially the boys yeah so they naturally hormonally they naturally want to stay up later and sleep in a little later I don't give him a hard time during the summer he's walking down the stairs at like three o'clock in the afternoon it's about you know I'm so into conscious parenting for this reason it's about picking your battles because mm. you're just wanting to create that connection with your kids. And if they feel like you're nitpicking them for every little thing, it's very surface. You know, we want to let them know that we're here for them for the big things. Mm. One of the things that's striking me about what you're saying is, and one of the ways that probably moms can really decrease their own overwhelm is to recognize that there are phases and stages and as adults, none of them look normal to us because we're like, oh my God, this kid is insane. You know, my kids are all crazy, but there are very different physiological stages that, that kids go through. And if you can maybe accept that, and then as you said, kind of be in that present moment and look for your, your SWAT team minute where you can get in and make a connection. <laughs> <laughs> and then recognize that you have to get out again, but that it's all very natural that in and of itself, that awareness can probably help moms, right? 100%. And part of that is when you share with other moms and they reflect back to you that they're too experiencing that. And we just laugh and that helps alleviate that pressure on us as well. So 100% Mary Fran, I, I agree with you. And it's funny, my seven-year-old is at the complete opposite end of the spectrum he he doesn't even like to be like one room away from me he's constantly like I can't see you I can't, I can't so, yeah basically can't hear you I can't see you and then my teenager wants nothing to do with me unless you know he's hungry 
That is funny. You do have such different, they're in such different stages. And then it's got to be like, I, I'm just laughing, thinking about, I can imagine you sitting there like sitting outside your son's room that he won't come out. Like, please talk to me. And then the other one, hi mom, hi mom, hi mom. Like, you're poison here, right? And don't get me wrong. I get annoyed with my seven-year-old. I'm like, okay, you're a big boy. You can be by yourself. Go sit down somewhere. Just sit down. Use your iPad. And then you're and then you're outside of your teenager's room like Anna from Frozen knocking on the door. Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> That's exactly right. It's so crazy, but it does it does help me put things in perspective because I do see the trajectory and my seven-year-old, like what he will, you know, in a handful of years start to be doing. And so I do it it does tend to help me to appreciate that he still wants to cuddle with me and and snuggle and get in the bed and give me hugs and kisses where my teenager I basically have to like assault him with hugs every morning you know I don't you know because they won't come to you for it and that's the one thing I encourage parents with teenagers to do is that your kids are no longer going to ask for that physical affection but it is so critical and important that we give that to them regardless and even if that means forcing it (laughs) I mean, unless they have, you know, some kind of, you know, obviously I say, can I give you a hug, right? If they have like an issue with it, but yeah, I do. I force my hugs on him and, um, you know, cause I remember being young. I remember getting to a certain age and my mom stopped like giving me hugs all the time. And I never forgot that. I'm like, and she would give it give them to me when I didn't see her for long periods of time. But I, I remember very vividly there being a shift in the relationship because of that, that shift in the, and our teenagers still need it. They crave it. They need it, but they will never ask for it. So that is one thing I would encourage. It also indicates to me that just in what you said in that moment, they're changing so much that they need you to be the constant. Even if that constant on the surface annoys the heck out of them, you still need to be that constant. So, and in fact, maybe that can alleviate some stress and worry from mothers too. You don't necessarily, yes, you have to modify your parenting as you get older and they get older, but those basic things, maybe they need to stay the same. 100% agree because, you know, my almost 16 year old, I mean, he's taller than his dad. He's six foot one. He looks like a man. He sounds like a man, but we have to remember he's not a man. He's a child still. And he craves that warmth, that, that um, physical touch, that connection with his dad and I, and my dad, uh, my dad, my, his dad, uh, my husband, uh, I'm so grateful to have married someone who, a man who is so um, physical with his kids and expressive. He tells his sons, he loves them so much every single day and bear hugs them. And I'll just like, tell my teenager, come here, buddy, give me a hug, you know, and that kind of thing. And I kind of see the corners of his mouth, like barely (laughs) pull up, you know, he's like fighting it, (laughs) but that warms me so much. It's so important. Um, but yeah, they look like adults. They, act like they don't need us or want us or but they do but they so do but they so do and they need that Mary friends right that that constant like the I, I talk with girlfriends of mine about I don't have a ton of rules at my house but I'm definitely not the rule bender that everybody else is and I'm telling I always say I swear my kids will stomp their feet about it 
But now that my oldest is 22, so I've watched this whole thing unfold. Now he's off on his own and working and lives in another state. And I've watched how much they they thrive with that. And and when it's not present, they're they're going back. We're going back between two different homes. In the other home, there is no rules whatsoever. They would come back like the chaos was just entirely too much for them. And then they come back to structure. And I guess that's what it is. It's not necessarily hard and fast rules and, oh, my God, I'm such the you know disciplinarian. It's just structure that they know they can rely on. You hit it on the head, Kristen. It is. It's that structure and expectations. Even when you have toddlers, you know, it gives them a sense of calm and inner peace and they know what's coming next. And you're right. It's the same with teenagers. They know what they're going to get when they come home. With that you know, I wanted to, to um, I wanted to dive into a, another facet of this this issue that so many people with teenagers are going through. That I'm always saying you need to you need to be more have more discipline in your house and give them jobs. The kids need responsibility. I've watched my kids, even if they are grumpy about having responsibility around the house, they. They now, my middle son is 19. He's a, a sophomore in college. He empties the dishwasher like a boss. He puts <laughs> on the music like no one else can touch that job when he's home from college because he, I've watched them have so much, they just have self-worth and, and I don't know, you tell me what the words are for what this is that transforms them just by them having to do chores. You know, it gives them a sense of, like you said, self-confidence and it's an, that intrinsic, you know, sense of value. And, um, just like you were touching on Kristen and, um, the, the, um, it is when you instill that in them, when they're in the home, then, you know, I think people get caught up in that world word discipline. And when you're punishing your child, for not doing something that ne isn't necessarily going to get the reward that you want, because what they will do is as soon as they're not around you, there's no consequence. Mm. What is the motivator? What is that intrinsic motivator? But when you have expectations and you reward them, you know, verbally, um, it helps build that self-confidence. You know, I think as parents, we tend to overcorrect when our kids do something wrong and not enough times do we point out what they're doing right. Mm. That creates that level of self-confidence for them to go out in the world. And also on top of that, who they are as people, right? We value them and we um, correct, um, compliment them based on achievements. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You got straight A's. You got a hundred. You're... Um, captain of a soccer team, you won that match, but how often are we really acknowledging and compl complimenting them for their character? I'm so proud of you. You're such a kind friend. I saw what you did for that person, or you're so generous. You know, these are the qualities that we want to compliment and reinforce because that is what's going to, um, allow them to succeed in life. Because what happens is if when we over compliment their achievements, this is what creates perfectionists. 
This is what creates, which is debilitating. It's not a badge of honor to be a perfectionist. I'm recovering. (laughs) And it creates this fear of failure. So they're like, well, even just telling them you're so smart, you can do this. You're so smart. Oh my gosh, I'm so smart. What if I try this thing I've never tried before and I fail, then everyone will know I'm not smart anymore. And so it creates this like paralysis and they, and and, um, fear moving forward in the world. So I always tell parents, help your kid celebrate their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Allow, not just allow them to make mistakes because we want to fix everything. We want to give them the tools. We want to tell them what to do to be successful, but mistakes are going to how they learn and celebrating that with them because without those mistakes, they're not going to learn and recorrect and be brave in the future next time. You know, I really like what you were um, talking about with this idea of reinforcing and complementing those values, because that's a big piece of what Kristen and I talk about. And we also talk about transferable skills, but transferable values are things that they can take to every part of their lives that transcend those specific moments of achievement. So I guess what I'm hearing is within those moments of achievement, point out the values that got them there, point out, yes, the skills, but also that other piece, like maybe the hard work or the teamwork or the whatever, so that they recognize that that's as much a part of it. And that can be carried from event to event, life event to life event. 100% Mary Fran. So exactly like Look where you've come in the past five years. Remember, you didn't know anything about soccer or gymnastics. And just even a year ago, look what you've done. And that's because, you know what? Remember that time you didn't feel well and you still went to practice? And um, not that they were deathly sick. (laughs) You don't want to reinforce that. You you, you know, (laughs) you were feeling down or you're feeling tired, but you still didn't let your teammates down, you showed up and you, you, you were there, you know, the absolutely 100% focusing on those things. Yeah. I love that. And I, that's exactly what the world needs more of from parents than just the, Oh, you achieved, you achieved, you achieved. I I was that, I, I don't even think my parents did it intentionally. I just achieved a lot as a kid and associated all of my value and worth to achieving. So then when things were falling apart, I, I the spirals, were horrible, you know, but that whole, yeah, the, the attaching it to the effort and getting out there again. And sometimes that is, you know what, I'm also big one. I mentioned discipline earlier. I meant it in terms of, I love, love natural consequences. I just think that it's the world's way of saying, look, mom, just stop talking for a minute and watch what happens. My daughter and I, she's about to turn 18. And I am laughing through the summer because I can tell her a gajillion times about the sugar and she got into diet soda. And I'm like, I just, for the first time ever, didn't do a rant. I just did a, well, let's watch and see. Oh my God. And then she's coming to her own realization that the more ice cream she eats, the more zit she's getting. And she's asking me to go and get like all of these special formulas for them. And I'm like, I know the formula. (laughs) (laughs) Ice cream, you know, it has been hilarious. And the diet soda, then she feels awful after the diet. The other night I'm like, and yet you're cracking open another can. Like I'm just waiting for that to finally run its course. It's just kind of funny (laughs) to watch. I mean, the natural consequences like that not like driving your car too fast and, and you know, get a ticket but 
Right. Some of the things are nature's way of saying we have a big sense of humor. <laughs> you know, that's so true, Kristen. And especially for our kids, something about it, they're stepping into their own independence and want to assert their agency. And it's something about their parent telling them this information. Like it could be like a friend's parent or an expert out here telling them the same information. And they'll be like, really? Wow. Meanwhile, we've been telling them that for like a year and they're like in one ear out the other. My, my experience, I don't know if you know my backstory, but my son struggled with addiction for many years. And one of the times we went up when he was in rehab and we went and, and, you know, we were meeting with people and he, he said to me, mom, you know, this, this therapist, and he told me this, and he told me that, and like, I'm sitting there and the steam's coming out of my ears. Cause I'm thinking, I've been telling you this stuff your whole life. Your whole life. It took this for you to pay attention. But you're absolutely right. It sometimes takes another voice for them to get the message. But I want to do a little bit of a shift here because all of this stuff that we're talking about is for the benefit of our children and totally necessary. But God, it's a lot of work. So how do you, how do you, like advise the moms, how do we stay resilient when we are constantly having to think about ways to, you know, feed our kids, both emotionally and and physically and all of those things? What's the resilience piece for the mom? That's such a good question, Mary Fran, because, um, you know, I, I focus heavily on conscious parenting because I, I believe that once we kind of release our children from our expectations, and focus on really truly what matters is creating that deeper connection with our kids. Um, things kind of open up for us and, and it becomes a lot lighter and easier with our kids instead of trying to micromanage everything and control their actions and behaviors. And like Kristen, you were saying the natural consequences, so beautiful, but yes, we tend to get engulfed in this role and we, take care of everyone else. And then we forget to take care of ourselves. So then our resilience threshold gets lowered. And what happens is, as you guys well know, when (laughs) our threshold gets lowered, the things that normally wouldn't bother us, Mm. all of a sudden, it's like an explosion when something happens, your kid forgets something or your, your child spills something. And it's like, it just sets us off because our work, we're, you know, operating in this fight or flight, you know, um, mode. Um, But yes, it is so important to become self-aware and reflect. One of the first things I do when I start working with moms is that we do what I um, call is a self-care audit and an energy audit. Mm -hmm. And most people don't realize there's, you know, six types of self-care it's like a pie you know cut into six pieces and we address different areas of our life so say like our relationships and our psychological self-care and our emotional self-care and our physical self-care you know it's not just about exercise and nutrition or and self-care gets a real bad rap these days I almost kind of hate that word these days because it's a very fluffy buzzword and it is not about bubble baths it doesn't matter how many bubble baths you take if you're functioning on that low vibration um low resistant um, resilience threshold that is not a long-term solution it's not going to do anything for you you really need to get to the root of the the cause and it's about 
you know, identifying what's not working in those areas of your life and what gives you energy, what in, inspires you, what depletes it. And that could be people, that could be things. Um, yeah, so. So what are those six self-care pieces again? I'm really curious to what those those areas are because I do think that that has become one of those, Kristen knows how I love the woo-woo words, one of those woo-woo words. Oh, you have to do self-care. Yes. But I know. I hate it. What is it? What does that mean? You know, so, so what are those six pieces again? I know. Yes. And to address that it is, it's kind of this intangible thing that moms hear about this elusive self-care that I need to be doing. And what happens is we just get overwhelmed. Cause like, oh my gosh, that's one more thing I have to do today is right. my self-care. <laughs> what am I going to find time for yeah. that? <laughs> God, I got to fit self-care in here somewhere. <laughs> and it's like, what am I even doing? Do I a bubble bath? What? Meditate? I don't have time to meditate. Like, like, you know, on the treadmill with the teeth whiteners on and the hair curling, <laughs> like all at the same time. <laughs> oh my gosh, I kid you not. The other day I saw a video of a mom and she had, and I was telling other moms, like, don't be this mom. She was, she had a newborn in a baby Bjorn. She was on her spin bicycle. She had a breast pump pumping <laughs> milk inside her bra on the spin cycle. And then she had like a kid's toy. It was like some kind of broom or shovel. And she was pumping the baby Bjorn back and forth as she's spinning on her bike. I'm like, okay, let's not great if you, but let's not do this. Like we don't need to do this to ourselves. This is not self-care. This is stress. Yeah, that works to get some calories off. But for me, because I've tried stuff like that to do multiple things at once, but the benefit, the reason I do the workout is to get my head clear. That's the what clears my head. So when I was trying to do it like with the kids or with the dogs, and it, 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 I went backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had a reverse effect, and I was like ready to kick a tire because it didn't work at all. Yeah, or the baby and me yoga classes and all that. Like, no, I oh, I need to get out of the house. I need to focus. It's or my kids are not home. Absolutely, it's it's very hard. But I need to remove myself to be able to focus. So I'm sorry, that was a big long tangent, Mary Fran. I'm coming back to you. So six six parts of self care. Um, yes, let me see if I can. Of course, I'm uh, under the gun. Relationship, so <laughs> yeah. relationship was relationships, more. emotional, Relation. okay, psychological, uh huh, environmental, hmm. um, spiritual. And I think the last one is career. Interesting. And there's some variations. Some right. Some, sometimes people add one you or know two. What? I think when you get when you get something like this, like I said, some of these these term this terminology ends up being very um, fluid. Let's for lack of a better word. But when you get when you get areas like this, and you can say, all right, the self care is and and the, I like the piece that you put in with it with the energy that you can say, all right, is, is what's, what's feeding me, what's draining me. And you can look at these specific areas and figure out where you really need to address yourself. 100%. And for me, like coming from the background that I've been, that I came from, you know, psychology and doing research-based psychology and learning the science, like I'm very analytical when it comes to feeling better. And I love the woo-woo, like it's fun and and can feel good, you know, like we got to listen to that. But when it comes to getting results, I like it. What what tangible things can we look at and analyze and, and how can we move forward from here? So I love doing these kinds of 
physical audits with moms. It's really important to get things down on paper and to, um, because when's the last time we analyze our life or think about things outside of the immediate stressor that's bothering us? Like maybe someone annoys us or we're dealing with a toxic family member or, you know, what have you, but do we ever really like sit down and identify them and think about ways to change them? And that's what I do with our moms. We, and everyone's idea of of self-care and plan. It's just like having a business plan, right? You want to do something, you realize what your goal is, and then you reverse engineer. And that's exactly what we do with our resilience building plan is we focus and every mom's self-care plan is going to look a little different you know, Mm -hmm. based on what areas of their life they're lacking and what stage of motherhood they're in. So someone just has teenagers, their self-care and resilience plan is going to look a lot different than a mom of multiples under five. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting here having this moment of, I really think that our listeners are probably going to do the same thing. I did not realize that self-care had most of those things in there, but it makes perfect sense, especially the career. Because now that my kids, my youngest is going into, is has started senior year of high school. I started about two years ago. I was kind of pushed into it a little faster because of a divorce, but putting my energy into career. And I mean, it is like, I can't wait to get up in the morning. And and of course I have 857,000 things to do. So I have to get up early in the morning, but I love, and it lights me up. And I know that my kids are benefiting from that tremendously, but 10 years ago, I was, I was lit up by being the number one PTO mom, right? Like it was very different 10 years ago to your point of that career thing. But I did do a lot of things while I was home with them that would give me, like Mary Fran said, those transferable skills later when I knew I wanted to get back to career stuff. But you mentioned two words earlier that are going to tie into this, and that is the perspective and the expectation. And I've had to learn to be very open communication with my kids on expectations and have a perspective. I had to look at it from their perspective too, not just mine. And we eliminated so much, so much anger, resentment, stress in this house by me, even because I have, you know, I have one of those kids that God love her. She's so flipping organized that she drives me out of my ever loving mind because I never know what I'm doing. Right? I don't know what's going to happen when she goes off to college. I'm going to need a personal assistant. But you can't hit her. You can't hit Carissa cold. It's just against her grain to not ex- to have something happen out of the expectation. So when I'm going, okay, guess what? Today we're going to the beach for the day. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like you have to really. I have to. I have to. Um, what's the word? Keep in mind her style and have that ex you know and then talk about expectations and see things from my kids point of view that is such a good point Kristen and you know because we that's the thing you can't parent your kids the same way they have they come with their own personality and their own set of needs like my oldest is highly sensitive not in a sensory way but in an emotional way just like I am and we don't like spontaneity (laughs) We don't like the unknown. I'm, we're also both introverts. You know, I'm an extroverted introvert, but I need to recharge. I like my energy. So that's true in our kids. The, a big thing, like you were saying, managing expectations, we need to trust that our kids know intrinsically what is best for them. Yeah. Just like we know what is best for us. And especially when they're younger, 
it's hard for them to articulate it. They don't have the verbal capacity, right? To share with you, my seven-year-old, sometimes he'll tell me, try to tell me something that he needs. We have to understand that they know what they need in that moment. Funny story, the other night, actually, I was going to post it on Instagram because it's so darn cute. He, right before bedtime, he goes, mommy, I just need to get out some of this energy before I go to sleep. So I'm going to get on your bike. I have a spin bike. He literally gets on my bike, puts his feet in my his, my little shoes, and he's getting out his energy. I mean, he's like, he is very like hyperactive. Like he's he's that boy. Like he's bouncing off walls over all the time. And um, I was like, this kid is so emotionally intelligent. And he's always been like this. He learned yoga at school and come home. I'm going to do some yoga now because I'm a little stressed out. Like he knows when he needs the stuff for himself, but he knew he wouldn't be able to relax. (laughs) He he was little, he used to thrash around in his crib, you know, like getting his energy out before bed. But now he knows. And I'm like, oh my God, my child knows what he needs. Like I would never in a million years, like imagine, I I don't, last thing I want to do right before I get to bed is exercise, right? (laughs) Stimulate me. So that's a big part of this. And and I hate to say we have to start to wind up because I think we could talk to you all day, but um, a couple of words maybe that we can keep in mind, and I'm going to kind of hand you one to start off. And I think maybe it's trust. Mm. 100%. And trust, two components to that, Mary Fran, thank you for, for handing that to me. Um, yes, trusting that our kids know we obviously safety wise, we are more experienced. We know what's best for our kids. So there is that overarching, you know, we need to give them direction, but trust that they know what's best for them. Like my oldest teenager, he is an introvert. He likes to decompress. We can't be going on outing after outing all weekend. Like he's not into that. He's not gonna, he he'll get really upset and he can't relax. So trusting that they know what's better for them. And sometimes we're like, okay, you can stay home um, instead of forcing it. And then also one of the number one things I tell my parents is you have to, outside of the experts, outside of the books, outside of your friend's advice, your parents' advice, your mom's advice, you have to trust your inner knowing and your gut instinct when it comes to your children. Mm. And I don't don't care if it's a doctor telling you something, it's a, you know, the the expert with a million degrees, you know, your child better than anyone on this planet. I just got goosebumps saying that because I feel like we've all had these moments, especially when our children were young, where we didn't trust our gut instinct at one point or another. And whether it was um, a reflexive looking back immediately after, or years later, we realized, God, you know, I really wish I would have trusted my instinct. I was dead on with that. And my goosebumps won't go away because I think this is one of the most important things parents can take away is that um, even if nobody agrees with you, listening to that gut, getting that second opinion, that third opinion, um, doing what, giving them that tough love, what have you. Mm. Good advice. Yeah. It's always that we always think we always doubt ourselves. What is that about? We We could do 10 episodes on that. It's, it's, I know know, you're right. We know ourselves and our kids best. Yes. And even like a school environment, I remember putting my child in a preschool and I was hard for me to separate from him. And I just felt 
wrong to me the first and he was only there for like two hours a couple of days a week and it just felt wrong and I remember going and I thought I looked at all the other parents leaving their kids and I'm like no one has an issue I'm the only one am I overthinking it especially when you're a new parent or it's your first you know mm-hmm. and I went back and I would look in the classroom and I just saw something I didn't like a couple times and I that was and I talked to the owner and I was like that's it I just went and got my kid drove away paid for the whole month. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, I never went back because I knew that that was, and I found a beautiful place for him. And, you know, when you know, you know, you just feel it. And we still, this is my 17, almost 16 year old. We still go back and visit the teacher from the other school that I found. Yes. All these years later. Yeah. Montessori. I, a friend of mine took her daughter out of high school a couple of years ago because it was just a mess and she was, she was spiraling and she took her out and put her on one of those online schools. Yeah. And I tell you the flack she got from the women in our town. <laughs> and then a year later, the whole world went to school online and she, oh my God, it is still funny to this day. She does this little dance like, I knew it was so funny. She'll never learn online. We're like, oh, everyone in the world is now. Ah, but she knew, she knew to get her daughter out of that environment where she was suffering. And and her daughter's off at college now and one of the coolest kids you could ever hang out with. But us moms know. Oh my we gosh. Do. Good, good for time. her. We really could dive in and solve all of Kristen's problems. <laughs> but Mary France, like, I've been looking at this clock. You got to stop talking. <laughs> we could talk all day. We really could. But let's do this. Since we can't talk all day, let's tell everybody where they can find you so that they can get more of the Peg Sadie wisdom that we got today, which was amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, my friend. You're so sweet. I know it went by so fast. I literally could talk to you ladies. You have to have me back. We'll do like yeah. another topic. <laughs> so yes, um, you can find me on my website. It's pegsadie.com. It's P-E-G-S-A-D-I-E, just how it sounds. Um, and I love to hang out on Instagram. My handle is at peg.sadie. Um and I'd love to share a free resource with your listeners, if that's awesome. all right. Okay. What you got? I've got, it is called the Resilient Mom Starter Kit. It is a free um, resource. Like I said, it's a seven day video training. Um, it's micro trainings delivered straight into your inbox. And it's filled with um, tools for moms ready to create, you know, more common intentional lives. It kind of touches I do like a retreat a few times a year it's called the calm mom retreat and this kind of pulls some of my favorite tools and tips from that to kind of get you jump started feeling better it even incorporates some conscious parenting in there so if your mom you're feeling stressed overwhelmed a little anxious um, you will love this free resource and I'll share with you a link and then also you can go to my website forward slash links so peg Sadie dot com forward slash links and then you can get it there awesome grab it there yes mothers no pushing no shoving you just get to that website and you download that freebie <laughs> and you get yourself start make it part of your self-care seven days that you can you can uh get that going and then let us know in the in the comments on Facebook where this is airing and in our um, social media handles, Brilliantly Resilient Everywhere. Let us know what your favorite tips are from this episode and from that download because I'm going to be watching and using them all because 
we're in senior year here at, at the high school and I am a little bit in overwhelm, excited, but overwhelmed. So I'll be looking for those tips too. Thanks everybody for tuning in. And if you would like a bit of brilliance delivered to your inbox every week, go to brilliantlyresilient.net. Just hang in there for the pop-up. You don't even have to click anything because I didn't know how to do that. So it just pops up <laughs> and you put in your email and we'll send you a bit of brilliance right to your email inbox. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.